So we continue this morning on our sermon series on walking through the epistles. Can you say that with me? Walking through the epistles. So last week we started with the Galatians chapter 3. So we did chapter 1, we, are, we did chapter 2 and we are already in chapter 3. I believe it's a good progress that we are making. Amen. And we divided the entire chapter 3 into three segments for our convenience. So if you can read that with, along with me. One is, you know, justification by faith. We talked about the personal argument. Verses 1 through 5. They talk about the personal argument of Paul on justification by faith. And then verses 6 to 25, he talks about or he deals with the scriptural argument. So he has been arguing on the basis of scripture. How justification can be obtained only by faith, not by law. And thirdly, he's, Paul is trying to bring some practical aspects. And that's what you are going to see this morning from verses 26 to 29. So last week, we covered pretty much chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. Now if we can see a quick outline of chapter 3, and this is, what, this is how the chapter 3 is laid out in the word of God. You know, when we study a portion of the scripture, or especially for a whole chapter, it is better to divide the chapter into various segments so we'll be able to understand. And this is how chapter 3 has been divided. One, number one, can you read that with me? The personal argument. And number two, the scriptural argument from verses 6 through 25. Now, when you talked about the personal argument, verses 1 through 5, we said, you know, in, uh, in, in Paul's personal argument, this is what Paul said. Paul, in fact, he asked six different questions to the church of Galatia. Do you remember those questions? Yes? A couple of you, if you refer your notes, probably you may get an idea what, their quest, what those questions were. So there are six questions asked to the church in Galatia. And these six questions were asked to the believers of the church of Galatia. And you know what? They, Paul did not even expect an answer from them. He was just passing. He was just moving further. And, but these questions were thrown so that you know, there will be a great conviction that will come in the heart of those believers. Because they departed from the truth. Remember that? They went away from the truth and they started following the Old Testament, you know, uh, conditions of the laws. And secondly, verses 6 through 25, we talk about the justification by faith based on scriptural argument. And there we talked about Abraham. If you remember Abraham, we quoted Abraham's example. And we said as part of the scriptural argument, this is what, you know, Paul mentioned. He said, Abraham's righteousness did not really come from the law, but Abraham's righteousness came because he was counted worthy, he was counted, counted righteous because he had a great faith in God. Can you all say faith in God? And that's what we understood. You know, the whole idea of Paul here is, you know, he is trying to, you know, say that, you know, law is totally inferior when we compare faith. And faith is superior, law is so inferior. Following the laws, we cannot really please God. We cannot become righteous. We will not be able to be accepted by God. But what we need to have is faith in God. And we talked in very detail about Abraham. And Abraham, not no, even in the time of Abraham, law was not given. But he was found righteous because of his faith. Because of the faith that he put on God, Lord God. Then we moved further. We talked about the curses. 
Law brings curse. That's what we understood from verses 10 to 14. And law brings curse to our lives. You know, because we say that because failing to follow the law requires punishment. If we, you know, try to keep all the different laws, it's very hard to follow the laws. But if you fail to follow the laws, what will happen? Listen to me. Fail to follow the laws, what will happen? The law, you will be put into punishment. And you know what? Law really cannot help us. Law can bring only curse into our lives. Law cannot really help us. But Christ Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. Amen. Are you with me this morning? Can you say an amen? Christ Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. And how that happened? By becoming curse for us. You know, because Jesus died at the cross, he removed the curse from our lives and he allowed himself to be a curse because Bible says anyone who hangs on the tree is cursed. So he allowed himself to be a curse and you know, by doing that, he removed the curse on our lives so that you know, there is total freedom over our lives. Today, we, you and I are able to follow Lord Jesus Christ. We are not bound by any arbitrary law. We are, we are bound by his love. We are bound by the faith that we have in Lord God. Amen. You know, this morning, there is a reason why God has you know, brought us together in his presence. It's because of his love. Amen. I don't think you are, you are, you are here because you, know, you want to just please the organization or you want to please the pastor. I don't think you are here just for that. Because, you know, I don't think there is any reason. I don't find any reason, you know, why we need to be here. We are gathered here in this presence because we love the Lord. Amen? Amen? We thank God because Jesus came down and he broke the curse of the law. And today you and I are able to experience the freedom that Christ has given in our lives. And this morning, we are going to go to the section C. The priority of the promise over the law. Do you remember God gave promise to whom? Abraham. And the promise to Abraham is much superior, as I said. You know, that's his priority than the law that Moses brought forth. And we're also going to talk about the purpose of the law. You know, if you say that in you know, a law is so inferior, then what is the point? Why God gave law at all? That's what you're going to find out. And finally, we are going to talk about justification by faith. Some of the practical aspects before we leave from this place. Amen. So this morning, I would like to title my sermon as law and faith contrasted or compared or, you know, differentiated. So can you read that with me? Law and faith contrasted you know that's what we try to understand as we go further so as we heard you know the reading of the scripture this morning from galatians chapter 3 verses 15 to 29 today we are going to understand the priority of the promise over the law can you can you can you say that with me the priority of the promise over the law and then we are going to talk about the purpose of the law that's easy the purpose of the law and finally we are going to talk about a couple of practical arguments to justify the inability of the law so i would like to read the scripture again that will really help us this morning if you can listen from me verses 15 to 18 we are going to read now brethren this is what paul says i speak in the manner of men though it is only a man's covenant yet if it is confirmed no one annuls or adds or cancels to it it, it now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as many, as of many, but as of one. And to your seed, who is Christ. Not many seeds, but only 
one seed and that seed is Christ Jesus verse 17 and this I say that the law which was for which was 430 years later cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ that it should make the promise of no effect for if the inheritance of the law it is no longer a promise but God gave it to Abraham by promise the inheritance came to Abraham not by law but by the promise so we are going to talk about the priority of the promise over the law that's what this scripture portion that talk, talks about the verses 15 to 18 priority of the promise over the law you know when two people make a covenant Today we all make covenant, we all sign our rental agreement, we all make different covenants. When we two people come in marriage together, they make a marriage covenant, right? So there is so much of covenant when we start a new job in your workplace, you make an agreement, you are understanding with your employee, employer saying that, you know, I will work in this organization for so many years. So when two people make a contract or a covenant, one member of that agreement he cannot really alter the conditions for his favor or her favor. Did you understand that? Once the covenant is made, one person cannot decide to alter the conditions of the contract of the covenant to his favor or to his or her personal wish. The original contract is the one still valid. Amen? You know, today people try to, you know, manipulate the contract, the covenants that we make on the face of this earth. But when it comes to the jury, when it comes to the court, what stands still? The original covenant, the original contract which was made. But when God gave Abraham the promise concerning the seed, that seed refers to Christ Jesus, it was the contract made between man and God. Do you remember that? When God spoke to Abraham and said, I will multiply i will bless you and through your generation the seed is going to come when god spoke those promises it was a contract made between god and man and bible says in the same scripture portion that we read law came into existence 430 years later since the promise was given to abraham concerning christ jesus so what came first law or promise 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 came how many years before 430 years before promise came into existence promise was given to God and no way that promise can be cancelled amen no way the promise can be honored or cancelled the promise was fulfilled on whom eventually on X yes you're right on Christ Jesus the promise that God gave to Abraham eventually you know was fulfilled in Christ Jesus but law came 430 years later and we are going to find out in what way law was helpful for that context so the promise was fulfilled in Christ Jesus so the inheritance of Abraham was not of the law but it was of promise can you say out loud it was of promise the inheritance of Abraham was not of the law, but it was of promise. So certainly the promise is priority over the law. Are you with me this morning? So the reason why promises of priority over the law, because of the inheritance. The seed that came through the promise, not because of the law. Amen.
And that's what Paul is saying that, you know, you Galatians, you moved away from the promise of God. You moved away from the grace of God. You have no longer faith in Lord Jesus Christ, but, but you started obeying those old laws. You, you know, there are people, the Jews people, they came from Jerusalem and they bewitched you and they befooled you. They pulled you away from the grace of God and they asked you to obey all the rituals. You know, circumcision and there are so many rituals and they have been asking to obey. And church of Galatia, you moved away from the promise of God, the blessings of God. And Paul is writing with a heavy heart. He is writing this to the church in Galatia and he's saying that, my children, do not go away from the promise of God. Do not go away from the grace of God. Do not go away from the faith that you have in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's continue to read verses 19 to 25. Verse 19, what purpose then does the law serve? Obvious question is, in what way law is helpful? If promise is the one that brought forth the seed of Abraham, but in what way the law is useful? That's the question now we are asking. What purpose? Verse 19. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Verse 20. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only but God is one. Let's continue reading verse 21. Listen to me. Verse 21. Can you read that with me on the screen? Is the law then against the promise of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith is Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Verse 23. But before faith came we were kept under God by the law kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed therefore the law was our tutor our, or our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith but after faith has come we are no longer under the law or under a tutor you know here Paul writes about the purpose of the law can you say that with me the purpose of the law you know it's, it's really hard to understand and i'm helping here this morning to understand that scripture portion if law was of not prayer not of priority then why the law was given what was the purpose of the law and this morning we are here to talk about three different purposes that paul is saying paul is mentioning here and it is amazing to study the word of god you know every time when we study the word of god you know we try to understand the depth of the word of god amen and this morning I pray that let the Spirit of God help us here to understand what Paul is trying to tell here. Now there are three different reasons why or the purposes why the law was given. Number one, the law was given as a mirror. Can you say that with me? The law was given as a mirror. You know the law was given, listen to me, the law was given because man was a sinner by nature amen man was a sinner by nature you know when you think about sin and what man has been going through human has been going through on the face of this earth man has been a sinner do we need to train somebody to sin is there any training school where you can go and get graduated 
You can become a, gain a master degree in sin. You're already? I already you have a PhD in that. That's a good answer, Amita. You already have a <laughs> PhD in that. Nobody needs to teach you. You have written already thesis, right? You have already submitted your thesis. Right? Probably you have already gained your PhD. You must be called it Mr. Not Mr. Sorry, Dr. Sin. We all must be, not you, sorry. We all must be called Dr. Sin. Because we already studied it. We know it, everything about it. So nobody need to be trained us, need to be trained on sin. Sin is by nature. It's already there. It's already there. Look at the baby who's you know just coming up in the, in the cradle, still in the cradle. You know, try to give something to the baby and try to snatch that away from the baby. No. She'll make sure that until you give that ball back into her, her or his hands, she or he will not stop crying. She knows it will come back to her. Right? So sin is already there in our life, already in our nature. Bible says, why the law was given? Can you read that? Can you say that with me? The law was given as a mirror. That's what Paul says. Now the law helps us. In what way? Today, now if you, you know, want to wash our sins, in those days, not today exactly, in those days, they take the book of the law and they read the book of the law. And they try to understand all the 600 and odd laws. And what does it say? And I fail here, I fail here, I fail here. And then you go to the temple of God and you sacrifice, you know, for your sin. For the sins that you have committed. So the law serves as a mirror. The law can only serve as a mirror. It can help you to find out your mistakes where you fall short. But you know what, this morning I want to talk something about, there is another basin that is given in our hands that is filled with blood. Amen. There is another vessel and we are all trying to get away from the sins that we are dealing with. We look at the law and yes, the law helps us to, the law says do not commit murder. Amen. And then you understand that you are able to correct yourself, you are able to understand where you fall short. But the law cannot do anything more than that. But this morning I want to talk about the fountain that is filled with blood. Amen. Can I hear an amen this morning? You know, realizing this, William Cooper, William Cooper has penned this hymn. You know, do you know that hymn that was written by William Cooper and the hymn goes like this? There is a fountain filled with blood. Amen. How many of you know that hymn? Yes. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein. He wrote the hymn because he knew very well, law cannot do what we are expecting to do, expecting to get done, but only the blood that is shed at the cross can do. And he said, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, that flood lose all their guilty stains. Law could never remove any guilt, any guilty stain, but the blood could wash away our sins. Amen. So which is greater, the blood or the law? Come on church, the blood or the law? The blood, the blood of the lamb is able to wash, uh, wash all the our sins. In the year 1865, I believe, Elvina Mabel Hall, she realized that what Jesus paid at the cross, which much more powerful and much more valuable that, than what law could bring forth, and she was very sure law could never pay back what Jesus paid for us at the cross. 
And Elvina, she penned this hymn, Jesus Paid It All. And she said, she says at the part of the hymn, she says, Sin had left a crimson stain and only the blood could wash. Amen? Only the blood of Jesus could wash that crimson stain. stain. Only the blood can change the leper's part. Amen? If you go and stand in front of the mirror, we see all those leper's parts in front of us, in our eyes, in our, sorry, in our face, in our whole body. Sin brought forth those things in our lives. And she says, the blood of Jesus can change the leper's part. So the law was served just as a mirror. But there is a purpose of giving that law. Law served as a mirror to find the spot. But only the sacrifice at the cross is able to remove. Amen. Only the sacrifice and the blood that Jesus shed at the cross is able to remove. Now we are talking about the purpose of the law. So number one purpose, the law was given as a mirror. Number two, the law was given to protect the seed. Amen. Can I hear an amen from you again? Yeah. I, I want to make sure that you are in agreement with me. You are not, you know, thinking something against what I speak, what I preach. Amen? That's what the amen means. So when you say an amen, I believe, you know, I strongly believe that you are all in agreement with me. So the law was given to protect the seed. And what is that seed? Who is the seed we are talking about? Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus was the seed. The law was given, as Paul writes, Paul wrote, the law was given till the seed would come in order to protect the coming of the seed and that is Christ Jesus. You know, I never realized there is a, another purpose of God giving the law to protect the seed. Because until the time of the coming of the seed, the law was in effect. I want you to you know, just understand me at this moment. The world was so wicked. The world was so wicked even before the time of the birth of Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me carefully. And you know what? The devil was very cunning and he was very careful to destroy the seed. Because the promise was given even at the Garden of Eden saying that a seed will come and he will crush your head. That was declared to the devil. In fact, he was the one who was, you know, announced the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And since then, you know, devil has been very clever. He wanted to destroy the seed and he was not sure when the seed is going to come on the face of this earth. He thought the seed is going to come at the time of Noah. And he threw so much of wickedness so that the seed will get destroyed. You know, it's, it's, it's more than, you know, it's, it's not easy for the devil to identify who is the seed. But instead of identifying the seed, it's better to kill, destroy everybody. The seed will get destroyed. Devil tried, but that did not happen. Even Noah's family was protected by God. Amen. If Noah's family was not protected, the seed would not have come forth. And devil, even if you read the scripture of the Old Testament, every generation after generation, even at the time of the birth of Lord Jesus Christ, devil made a commandment saying that in all the male child need to be killed. Devil was cunning and he wanted to destroy the seed. Generation after generation. Now Paul is saying the law was given to protect the seed. And that God was very careful. The seed should not be destroyed because of the wickedness of law. Sorry, wickedness of the men. So God decided, I will give my law so at least some people will follow the law. The seed will be protected. Amen. So there was a purpose of giving the law. So law was given. God gave the law. And seed was protected. 
And the law was in effect until the seed came forth. Amen? So that's what Paul is saying. There is a purpose of giving the law. The law was given to protect the seed. Thirdly, law served as a tutor or as a schoolmaster. Righteousness does not come through the law. We all know that by now. But righteousness comes through having faith in quiz question. Righteousness comes through having faith in Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we are, we are all made righteous. So law, Bible says, Paul says, law served you all as a tutor, as a schoolmaster by bringing you all to Christ. That's what law does. You know, all the conditions, all the regulations that we read in the word of God, all the law, scriptural truths that we need to obey in the word of God, they will all bring us to Christ. Even today, they will help us to walk in the ways of God. All the Ten Commandments you need to follow carefully because that will help us to come closer to the Lord God. But righteousness cannot come by the law. When you are come, when you are come to the closer to Lord Jesus Christ, our righteousness comes by putting our faith in Lord Jesus. Amen. But law helps. Law served as a tutor. You know, Paul is saying that the law is so inferior than the promise and then the faith that we have in Christ Jesus but there was a purpose why law was given so we talked about three different purposes law was given because law had to serve as a mirror law was given because law had to protect the seed and law had to serve as a tutor let's move further verses 26 to 29 let's read quickly for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus for as many of you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and highest according to the promise. Amen. So thirdly, the third section of chapter 3, we are at the final few verses. Justification by faith through practical arguments. Now Paul is trying to bring something which is practical. And we found out that law is not capable of producing righteousness in any of us. And we found out law is, law really cannot justify anyone. And we found out just now, law has been given to serve as a mirror for us to find our sinful nature. And we also saw law was given to protect the seed until it was revealed. And we talked about law served as a tutor to lead us to Christ. Now Paul is presenting a practical argument saying, What law could not do, faith could do. Amen? What law could not do can be done by faith. That's what Paul is arriving at before he closes this chapter. When we put our faith in Lord Jesus Christ, we become much superior than the Old Testament believers. Amen? Because, you know, they all followed the law. But we have, an, uh, uh, we have a privilege of putting our faith in Lord Jesus Christ. And the moment we trust him, we are made righteous. The moment we trust in the blood that Jesus shed at the cross. The moment we trust in the forgiving grace of Lord God. And come under the forgiving grace, we are made righteous. So in that way, New Testament believer is much, much precious and greater. And, you know, much, uh, much better, you know, in, in terms of, you know, when we consider with the Old Testament believer us amen because we know our lord god can make us righteous and justify us there are two things paul is talking about paul is saying law could never make anyone born of god 
but we have we are made sons and daughters of god by having faith in lord jesus christ amen there is an interesting you know an interesting argument that paul is trying to put here and he says law could never make anyone born of god law could never make anyone son and daughter of god but we become sons and daughters by putting our faith in christ jesus you know this there is a you know there's a great scriptural truth that is hidden in this word law could never make anyone son of god by following the laws want to think about it any individual israelite one is never known as a son of god but all that they were known as they were known as servants of god amen in a house set up sons and daughters and servants that makes a huge difference can the son become a servant can put it, put the question the other way can a servant become a son not sure yes can a son become a servant yes can a servant become a son can a servant become a son strong no we don't want to treat our children as servants no in the, i'm talking about in a house setup right <laughs> don't don't extrapolate that to the church setup or to you know to our spiritual understanding in a real typical house setup we have servants and we have we have a master and we have sons and daughters and never a son can become a servant or a servant can become a son the old testament everyone was called a believer of god true followers of god they were called the servants of god amen you know you know david right david was a man of god's own heart man man after god's own heart but the scripture never called him as a son of god the scripture called him as a servant of god nicodemus he was a very legalistic and religious man who came to lord jesus christ but he was not a son of god even though he was following all the religious things jesus said he must be born again to become a son did you understand the difference in the old testament even though they were known as servants of god but no one was known as son of god but when jesus came he said you will become a son of god if you are born again do we have any born again believers in this church Amen. Better, it's good for the church to have born again believers. <laughs> you know, the moment we put our trust in Lord Jesus Christ, we are born into the mega family of God. Amen. It doesn't matter which part of the globe you are. It doesn't matter really where you are coming from. We are all part of the mega family of Lord Jesus Christ. You know that brings us strength. That gives us courage. That gives us unity. Amen. even though we are differentiated you know by our location by our race and origin and all those kind of things but moment we are born again we have the same blood that is running in our body amen the blood of the lord god god washed away all our sins and what we are bought we are bought by his blood amen and we are called sons and daughters of jesus christ so law could never make anyone son of god but jesus could the faith on lord god the faith that we put on christ jesus make us legitimate sons and daughters of god amen right even if you send your dna for a test the dna test will come saying that 
we found blood of Jesus in this particular child of God. Amen? The proof. Because you are bought by the blood. We are washed by the blood. We are cleansed by the blood. You know, what a joy this morning to serve him. What a joy it is. Paul said, Law could never make anyone born of God, but faith in Christ Jesus. What does it mean, born of God? We become children of God. We become children of God. So those who are baptized can inherit the sonship and daughtership in their lives. And secondly, Paul is saying, finally, Lord could only make division, but we are all one in Christ. Those are the final verses Paul is talking about. You know, there were three great divisions in the Roman world, which we might know. We know already because Paul is talking about it. One division is based on the race and religion. There were Jews and there were Greeks. There was a major division. And law, we are talking about law bringing forth division. And there were second category of division based on the social class. Bond and free. You know the history says there were half of the population of Roman Empire. They were, bond, they were in bond slavery. There were 60 million who were slaves. And there were 60 million who were free. Law brought such a division among people. Division based on gender, male and female. But having faith in Jesus Christ, the division is broken. That veil is torn. The division is broken and we are all set free and we are all made one in Christ Jesus. How dare someone can bring division into the church today? Amen. That's not the plan of God to bring division into the church. If we are all bought... By that same blood, there cannot be any division. Even if people want to walk away from the church, they won't walk away by dividing the church, but they will walk away in peace. Amen? That's a sign of a child of God. If somebody wants to walk away, they walk in peace. Because, you know, we cannot bring division into the church, into, into the fold of God. And the division was brought forth by law. Three types of divisions we talked about. Number one, based on the religion. Number two, based on social status. And number three, based on gender. And Paul says here, let's read verse 28. Now it makes more sense. Let's read verse 28 before we close. There is, shall we all read together? There is neither Jew nor Greek. You know, we, we consider, we give certain importance to the people of God where Jesus came from, the Jewish people. There are, hist there are scriptural references why we need to honor them, why we need to pray for them, but they are no better than us. Amen. They are no better than us. They are just, we are all one in Christ Jesus. Neither Jew, there is no Jew, neither Jew nor Greek. Read, read continually. There is neither slave nor free. The slavery is gone in Jesus' name. Can, I, can you raise a hallelujah for that? The slavery is gone in Jesus' name. There is no more slave. We cannot treat anybody as a slave today. The slavery has gone because Christ Jesus broke the wall of division. Amen. There is neither male nor female. You know, you may have questions. How can being, she being a male, female, how can she take control? How can she take authority? How can she preach? How can she teach? How can she teach? You know, the word of God says there is no male or female. Everybody is one in Christ. If you are a children of God, the Bible clearly says there is neither male nor female. He talks about the unity. There are male 
there are female. Please don't misunderstand me. There are male and there are female. <laughs> but we are all one in Christ Jesus. That's what I'm about to tell. Paul lived in such a long, such a, you know, she lived such a long time back. Verse 29, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and has according to the promise. Without any difference, without any difference of being male or female, slave or, you know, uh, free or Jew or Greek, we are all known as children of God, the seed of Abraham. That's what Christ Jesus did. He broke down the wall of separation and he brought unity as we conclude this morning shall we all arise this morning as as we just read the concluding thoughts as we have them in the screen it's important to read through that even though letters are small let's try to read the, these these verses these these you know concluding thoughts let's not move anywhere let's read number one the promise god gave to abraham 430 years before the law was given was received by faith and fulfilled in christ because Law was not given at the time when Abraham received the promise. He just received it and just he believed in God. You know, think of it. There was no law to teach him or to support him that you need to follow God. Nothing. Nothing was there. But he put his trust on Lord God. Number two. Law was given to mirror man's iniquity to protect the coming of the seed and to lead one to Christ as a tutor. Number three. Followers of the law could be made as servants of God but law could never make anyone son or daughter of God only faith in Christ Jesus could do that amen number four law could only make division but faith in Christ Jesus breaks the division sets us free and makes us one in Christ Jesus amen this morning shall we just give glory to God as we close our eyes hallelujah